0: Entirely sure what happened there. That's probably me pressing the wrong buttons. But uh, You're
1: in charge of the Oscars again. Um,
0: well, do you know? They asked me for next year. I said, <laughs> could, I, could I press all the buttons at the Oscars? Oh and yeah, I said, yeah, "Well, yes, well. because I would keep up the standard of uh, efficiency yeah. and production there."
1: Yeah. I felt very sorry for them, didn't you? Oh, I completely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 a it's a very funny but slightly cringe. Well, it, it makes me cringe an awful lot and feel really feel for the for the people who. <laughs> very funny it, if you. it wasn't you. Yes, it wasn't <laughs> me. <laughs> I <laughs> well, do remember, and I I, I can't. Well,
0: I was going to say, I do remember Terry Wogan doing that, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, Eurovision Song Contest yeah. or something to do with it. Yeah. And they announced the wrong person. Yeah. And his comment was, well, nobody died. Because yeah. you would think, well, it is a terribly embarrassing thing yeah. to, uh, to get something like it's the." It's definitely not the worst thing that's happened in
1: America. Recently. No,
0: that's Right. That's right. So uh, anyway, well, all the best. But uh, anybody who's ever messed up, uh, uh, you you must, uh, we we send our thoughts to the producer of the Oscars. Um, (laughs) And uh, here we are on Love and Science uh, once again, uh, talking about science in the news and science behind the news. Me and uh, Andrew Glester with you for uh, a whole hour just think of that. Think of how exciting that is. And if you're, <laughs> if you're not sitting down with a nice cup of coffee, tea, Ovaltine, whatever it is that turns you on, uh, well, you should be doing that right now with your feet up. And uh, one of the... Well, there's a, there is a, a story in the news. I don't know if you saw it. Anybody interested in science, it, you, you may have missed it. <laughs> um, but this week, NASA announced... Uh, that they were going to tell us something rather important, and they didn't let us down.
1: They did not let us down. They
0: did not, no. They they, uh, told us that there is, in fact, another solar system. So I've booked my tickets... (laughs) and uh, I'm looking forward to to getting, it's apparently just 40 light years away.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So that means if you travel at the speed of light, which is very fast, 186,000 miles a second, that's quite fast, uh, it would take you 40 years uh, to get there.
1: Which is, it's taken me 40 years to get this far in life. Yeah. um, Yeah. To give away my age.
0: I Um, know. And you were travelling at just normal speed, though, weren't you? Most
1: of the time I was travelling. Travelling
0: through time at a
1: normal speed. You know, viewing time in a linear fashion, as I tend to do. Yeah. uh, But out there in space, of course, time isn't linear. So who knows how quickly we could get there with the right spacecraft. Uh,
0: uh, Absolutely. Well, so. this story, then, is really quite amazing. First thing I'm going to ask you, as our resident uh, astronomical expert, mm-hmm. um, th- this is something that we, uh, we-, we know that there's a whole technique for finding planets around yes. other stars, which is all about the star dims. So the idea is that if something big goes in front of the star, the light we get from it diminishes, then it goes back up again. Yes. And if this happens in a regular cyclic, cyclical pattern we assume something like jupiter you know something the size of jupiter has gone in front of a star say if it's the size of ours yes. uh, and caused the light now that's what you could say was inferring or deducting the presence of a planet this
1: is different isn't it uh it is it is um they've they've well they've used something which is called um oh let me let me find the exact words transit for pho- photometry Right. Um, So they've they've had. There's been 34 taking um, pictures from the bus. (laughs) Transit photometry. Yeah, Uh, they've they've done. uh, Well, they've they've traced 34 transits um, using a Spitzer telescope. So they've looked at it, and they using this technique of photometry, they can gauge the size, mass, and shape of these planets. Okay. Um, They've they've done that. And, uh, sorry, I think slightly off mic. Am actually. I? Yeah, I can just. Yeah, am I? Am I? Am I here? Can you hear me? Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's, that's better. Yeah, um, I can hear me all the time. It's I'm very. That must be terrible. It Must be it's, unbearable. It's so boring. <laughs> 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 um, fortunately for the listeners out there, in Radio Land it's only...
0: No, vulnerable. We love it. pulling your leg. We love it. <laughs> sorry, carry on. Yeah, so no, so, so, um, so t- uh, transit photo- photometry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And they've, they've managed to measure those um, over thirty-four transits and found. As we know, seven wonderful planets surrounding a star. I, I, do you know? There's so much to say about this discovery. It, yeah, it, we could just go on and on and on about it, and I hope that we will do.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let, well, let's have some ba- let's have some basics about it then. So it's 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 around a star, yeah. w- which is w- which is called Trappist w- One. Trappist, I one yeah. Trappist One. Trappist uh, One. Do we know why it's called Trappist One? That's uh, the
1: name of a, of a of a monkish order, isn't it? Yes, it is. The the Telescope that uh, they used to find it is mm. called Trappist. Oh right, and it is the first star of Trappist so, uh-huh. uh, that they, you know, have been looking at with Trappist It's Trappist One. Yeah, and Trappist. The telescope I believe was named after a beer.
0: Ah, uh, right, because monks are also famous for making beer, aren't yes. they? That's and the, astronomers the
1: are also famous for liking beer, them being yeah. human beings and everything. Yeah. And um, so, yes, that's why it's called Trappist. Uh, Trappist 1 is in the constellation of Aquarius. Um, oh, right. It really is the dawning of the age yeah, of Yeah, 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 and
0: Aquarius is the uh, uh, the water carrier. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, if you want to find it in the in the night sky, find the Aquari- Aquarius, and you'll you'll be able to see. Okay. Um, where the, the region of the sky where this this series of seven planets orbiting a star is. So now,
0: I don't, I don't want to go too far. I'm not I'm not going to go off here. But if there are people listening, again, going, well, I Quite at least, I, mean, I know I won't be able to see it because yes. you won't be able to see it with a telescope. Yeah. But if you wanted to look. In the direction of Aquarius, what's the best thing to do? I mean, can you look up star maps online of course, and things like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: there are plenty of, um, of of star maps. There's, this you can get fantastic free apps for any smartphone. There's one called Star Map. Uh, there's another one called Star Walk. Um, there's, there's so many um, apps, but equally, just online, you can go and you can see a map. Find, find a constellation that you know, um, the Plough or the, the at this time of year? Orion, because
0: they all stay in the s- same position in relation to each do. other, don't they? So although they move around the night sky, they're yeah. kind of locked yeah. into position yeah. um, as far as we're concerned. And, and uh, so... Having found it
1: w- once, you can find it again. Yeah, absolutely. So if you find a... Get, get a map of the night sky and find uh, find the... Ooh, oh, I've, I've lost something off my microphone, but it's OK. <laughs> we, can, we can carry on. Bits drop off all the time. Um, I, we can... Um, uh, yeah, if you find um, Aquarius... Uh, sorry, if you find a a, a, a constellation that you know... On the on the map, and then obviously follow that uh, that same track of stars to Aquarius, and you'll see. I just think it's always worth looking when these uh, uh, these amazing discover. I say these amazing discoveries. We've never found anything quite amazing as this before in terms of exoplanets. But when we find these exoplanets, I always like to go out and look at the patch of sky and just wonder what might be there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And in this case, we know quite a bit already about what these planets are like. Okay. So three of them are rocky planets of A Earth-like mass and size, right? So, uh, and in the habitable zone or the Goldilocks zone, it's not too hot, it's not too cold in terms of distance from the sun and heat, uh, so that the surface temperature on at least three of these planets is suitable for um, liquid water to run on the surface of the planet, much the same as we have here, exactly like we do here. Perhaps Um, it's possible. That that, that that there are other factors of course which which need to be taken into account you know yeah. how, how active is the star does the star it's, um, there's there's a school of thought that that um, mars has lost its atmosphere partly because its its gravity isn't strong enough to hold on to it as it's being the atmosphere is stripped off yeah. by uh, solar winds, so um, b- b- charged particles being thrown out from the sun yeah. would would rip away an atmosphere from a planet if it doesn't have enough gravity to hold on to it. So you'd need to know those sorts of things. How much is uh, as it happens, Trappist One isn't a very active star. It's uh, it's, well, it's a dwarf star. Yeah, and I was going to ask you uh, uh,
0: about the star itself because because. Um, uh, I read that it was cooler, so that would affect, surely would affect rather mm. uh, uh, the the whole um, setup, wouldn't it? So yeah. what we call the Goldilocks zone, mm. uh, presumably planets that need to be warm, uh, that that are warm enough, need to be actually closer,
1: yes, yes, to the star than than uh, ours would. They are, I believe. That these the the habitable zone for Trappist One is is about where Mercury is f- around our star, so that much closer to the to the star is is where the habitable zone is for us. Um, Venus and Mars are actually within our habitable zone, just about, but because of um, Venus's runaway climate, um, uh, what's it? Runaway greenhouse effect. Yeah, word, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I was going to say climate science. You know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, and the other one. Um, uh, Mars, yeah. These are because of the various things, including, as I say, the this, uh, lower gravity, so it can't hold on to its atmosphere, mm. it may not have life, it may have life, but yeah. we just don't know at the moment. Yeah, right. um, so, there's three planets in our solar system, which mm. are, give or take, within the habitable zone, and only one of them that we know of that has liquid water yeah. running on the surface and abundant life that we yeah. know all about. Um, well, we don't but we know a lot about it yeah and uh, and it could be the same there it could be that um just one it could be that three in in fact some of the planets that are outside what we would traditionally see as the habitable zone for trappist one the, of the of, of the seven there are other ones which are rocky and sufic- of sufficient mass that if they had for example a runaway greenhouse effect like Venus that could, what that could do in that circumstance is just bring it up to the right temperature to have right. running water on the surface. So
0: so it could be more than just these three planets Absolutely. that could support Earth-like life Yes, uh, there. So what we're really talking about is this: these are potential homes yes. for human beings, maybe possibly
1: uh, Yeah, or oh, they could already be homes for, for, for alien life that's an, an, an entirely possible scenario. One of the um, I, whenever we talk about exoplanets, you know, one of the first thoughts of th- when NASA say they're going to have a news conference about uh, something that they've discovered outside our solar system, mm. I think everybody's first hope, I hope everybody's first hope yeah, like yeah, first yeah, yes. is that they've yes. found life. Yeah. Uh, and it will be, I'm sure that will be one, one day. Um, it could be that TRAPPIST is the place, TRAPPIST 1 is, is the place where we find life first. Mm. Um, it's it, it, there's a process we need to get to to get to that, which I'll, I'll get to. But just, just to imagine what life is like on these planets. Mm. It's the, the star, um, as we say, is a dwarf star, so it's, it's nowhere near as bright as our sun. If you were standing on the surface of one of these planets and looking up, you would see a very, very large salmon pink sun in your sky. Right. Um, it would be slightly warmer than Earth, but I think 200 times darker. Ooh, so the difference is. I so think you get a very good night's sleep. You get a very good night's sleep, and yeah. if you're an alien, you might have very big eyes, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to get more light. Yeah. Or they may have. You know, if these life forms do exist, they may have evolved entirely different ways of seeing. The, the eye on Earth is is a is is fairly. Um, well, it's the way that most things yes. see on Earth. It, it?
0: It, it, it adapts for the brightness of the of the light that we have. Yeah, yeah. but on Correct.
1: another planet, right. there could have been an entirely other way of seeing. Yeah, that's been. I mean, there are there are uh, species on Earth, of course, that see through. Uh, uh, UV light, but also through sonar. They, that would be a way that they, in effect, see and find their way around. So it could be that that life on there has evolved something completely beyond what we think of. Or it could be simply that they have really big eyes. So if, if anyone's ever seen Frozen, they might look like the characters from that. <laughs> um, but... Um, so I see.
0: I see. Uh, now, now I'm going to ask a really basic question here, which is, you know, this this is embarrassing that I have to ask this question here. But there are some nice pictures on yeah. the internet that have come from NASA themselves, yeah. where these planets, they just look really, you know, really tantalising. There's um, some, uh, uh, there's an orange one and a brown one, and it goes as purpley one, a green one. I take it this is all just artistic license. That yeah. we, we, we have no idea, actually, what they look like. All we do know is their rough size and mass uh, and their position in relation to their star. Absolutely.
1: Right. Yeah. As I understand it, that's what we know. Yeah. And, uh, and we can't, but we have the technology now to look deeper into it. It's mm. all at the SETI Institute, who uh, look for signs of um, intelligent life in the universe that can... Uh, beam-out radio waves at a certain frequency, mm. have already looked at TRAPPIST-1. Right. Um, whether they did that because they had inside information or just because they were looking at the star anyway, mm. I don't know. So they've looked at it quite recently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, OK. Um, suspicious. Um, yeah, suspicious. Very suspicious. suspicious. These, these scientists, they talk to each <laughs> other do. before they talk to us. They do. And, um, so they, they've looked at it, but they haven't found um, any... Uh, signs of radio waves coming out of that. but that, that, that doesn't mean anything other mm. than there aren't. Um, effectively, what it means is there isn't a civilization which has an incredible um, radio. No, um,
0: well, they could have banned radio and television very could, early on. But,
1: but our radio and television is um, just would be well, so fifty years.
0: Yeah, so um, they'd have had t- they'd have had ten years. They've been getting things like round the horn with Kenneth Williams yeah, by now. Exactly.
1: So <laughs> if if, <laughs> if if they're just ten years behind us, we wouldn't know anything about it. You yeah. know, it, it's it doesn't mean that they're not there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um,
0: and we should just explain. I mean, this is a really simple thing, but it, but it's important to get hold of it. It's because the speed of light is the speed of radio and television waves, and it would uh, actually any radio where well, any. Um, piece of radiation travels at this speed, and um, or electromagnetic radiation, I should say, and 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 uh, it, it it travels at the speed of light. So it takes forty years for it to get to us. Mm. That's the
1: thing. And, and if you're listening on Trappist-1 in 40 years' time, yeah. uh, we are very glad to make your acquaintance. You can hear all our previous shows on <laughs> uh, Love and Science uh, various platforms. But uh, joking about, the, um, the, one, of the, one of the other things which I think is wonderful about, the, about this discovery, uh, about the planets, is in our solar system, if we wanted to go to Mars, we'd have to wait for the right time um, in terms of the orbits of, of, of Mars and Earth around the Sun, so that, that we were close enough. And then it would take us about six months using our current uh, spacecraft to get from Earth to Mars. Right. In uh, the TRAPPIST-1 system, it'd be a weekend. You could go for a weekend jaunt to another planet.
0: Because they're so close. Yeah.
1: Now, does that have some sort of impact? So, for example,
0: if you're now, the, the um, NASA has named these. I'm well, assuming it's NASA. I think the, the 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 seven planets go, for some reason, B to H, B C D E. That's right, B to H. I'm not quite sure why that is, but oh, there God, we go. No, that no, no, plan. no. That's a, that's a minor issue. We'll talk yeah. about that later. Um, but it means that what you're saying is that they're all very close together you could just get there in a weekend presumably then then these planets will have quite an effect on each other's gravity yeah. so for example if they have if a planet has an ocean it's going to have a very interesting uh, set of tides yes because uh, the it's friend it's local friendly uh, planet friends will be pulling on it
1: yeah, they, I, I believe that they're all tidally locked together, aren't they, all these planets? Uh,
0: so, that I didn't know, I yeah, haven't read I that. Believe,
1: I, I, I was looking at the, the paper that was uh, written in Nature about it, and I, I believe I read something, at least, if not all of them, uh, some of them certainly are all tidally locked, which means that um, they're all effectively all in a line as they go round orbit the sun... Um, trappist-1 star and it's uh, as, as they go around they're all the same face the same the way that our moon we always see the same bit of our moon facing us they would always see the same bit of their planets and that's it will be fascinating as we learn more about this system to see what effect that has on the potential for habitability of of of, of exoplanets and just to say one of the one of the ways that we can find uh, out more about them, is by right now we could point Hubble at it. I don't know if they're doing that. I would imagine that it, Hubble's time will soon be pointing at, yeah, at, yeah. At, at TRAPPIST. And then the James Webb Space Telescope, which is coming soon, is, um, it, is Hubble's successor, and that will really be able to tell us by uh, by looking at pointing a huge t- space telescope at this, yeah. uh, at this start, we'll be able to see is, is there oxygen in the atmosphere of these right. uh, planets? And, and if there is that oxygen... That very that's significant. Very, very significant. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, James Webb is... is, is Coming online this year, 2017? Uh, uh, yeah, late, late this year or perhaps next year. It keeps
1: getting delayed a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so that would be very exciting. Why are... Oh, well, we've talked about various reasons why we're excited about this, but, but um, tell us a bit
1: more. Seven planets around a star. And the, the important thing is that this star is very close to us. Very recently we found that there was a planet orbiting Alpha Centauri, which is... Uh, a, well, it's a system of stars, actually, mm. two stars, um, in uh, which is our nearest neighbour in terms of stars in the night sky, apart from our own sun, obviously. And um, and then TRAPPIST-1 is very close to us as well, just in terms of the the, the solar system. No, it's in, sorry, in terms of the galaxy, it's very close to us. Yeah. It's just 40 light-years away. Yeah. So just in two stars very close to us, we've got an awful lot of planets inside the habitable zone. Our own star has... Uh, three planets potentially inside the habitable zone it, it it seems like the universe is full the solar system is full oh, sorry the galaxy why do you keep saying solar system it's because there's so many solar systems <laughs> the galaxy um, and all uh, and then other galaxies do you know we just i don't know if you've uh, if you've seen this but we've just found another uh, tiny galaxy uh, tiny in terms of galaxies is still quite big which is near our uh, our own galaxy, the Milky Way, which we didn't know was there. It's, we thought it was a dark bit of sky. But yeah, nice. there's so news. Even more. Yeah, pouring in all time. Yeah. So, so we, so we, we talk s- about,
0: I mean, s- galaxies, that, in, in fact, uh, w- typically, I mean, the figures are so huge, but we're talking about 100 billion, somewhere between 100 billion, 150 billion stars, aren't we? Yeah. So... I mean that is an enormous number. A billion mm. is an enormous number. One hundred and fifty mm. is, is vast. It's,
1: it's, it's a thing I often say, but I'll say it again. There are there are more stars in the night sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches on planet Earth. Now, you and, tell, no, sorry, if, go on. And if if uh, you if if all the stars near us, not all the stars, but most of the stars near us have planets in the habitable zone it's just a matter of time before we find life on one of these planets just to say as well that the, even if there isn't life yet on um any of these trappist stars uh, trappist uh, yeah. planets rather there's seven planets there if there's not life on them the the the, the sun there, the trappist one is a is a dwarf star but it's, it it burns very slowly, yeah. And like a fire that burns very slowly, it will live for a very long time.
0: And and does that indicate that it has lived for a long time? Is um, it is it quite an old star? It. I do you know?
1: I don't know actually. I don't know.
0: But do you know? I don't know actually. But I I think it does mean that. But I, I'm, okay. sticking, I'm sticking my neck yeah. out here. So I think it's we'll quite in it terms of
1: its life lifespan. Anyway, it's it's very early on. It's going to live for. Uh, trillions of years. Um, this this star, if yeah. you know, if, the, if if the universe lasts for trillions of years, yeah. and um, it will last that long. And it's as it is in its life cycle. Quite early on, um, it's po- entirely possible that life will evolve on this on these planets later on. You know, it's 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 there. That the planets seem as though they have liquid water on rocky planets. Uh, which the planets are, are large enough to hold on to an atmosphere, the gravity will hold on to the atmosphere enough, that atmosphere will provide whatever it needs for life in that alien environment. Yeah. It seems as though these stars could well have life on them, but even if they don't, it's, it's an environment which is primed for life, and this star has an awfully long time to for that to spark
0: and lots of choices in that solar system which is uh, which is nice
1: yeah do you know uh, <laughs> i'm just
0: speaking as if we're going to yeah, go there tomorrow I, yes. I, I think we should go <laughs> do,
1: i've just noticed um i didn't know that we could do this but there's actually a whatsapp number ah yes which is uh for we should Instagram. get with the technology we should, shouldn't so, we so um it, if you want to get in touch with the show um i think we'll get it
0: yeah if you uh, and then if you happen to know about dwarf stars yeah. and whether or not uh, we're talking nonsense yeah well you've got uh, about any how questions long they are. you've got any questions yes do do get do in r- touch.
1: R- and the number is uh, 07503 345. so if you go to your whatsapp and send a whatsapp message to 07503 and we'll see if anyone does that
0: superb That'd be amazing. all right well look there's an there's there's an, an another story that i i want to turn to which is uh this is uh, geography now but this is this is terrestrial geography this is earth geography um a newly identified... So if, if it's not, you know, if, if new planets aren't enough, we're now finding a new continent <laughs> underneath the sea. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, good grief, What sort of a week has it been? A new world right here on Earth. Yes, and uh, it turns out that uh, there is a landmass which has become known as Zealandia, uh, not surprisingly underneath New Zealand. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, but New Zealand is a kind of tiny bit of it. Um, it's absolutely vast. It's 4.9 million square kilometres. And um, it's a, a new landmass or a new continent, if you will. Uh, uh, un- but it's buried underneath the uh, sea. It's under- underneath uh, water. So... Um, uh, lurking beneath New Zealand is a long-hidden continent called Zealandia, according to geologists, but since nobody is in charge of officially designating a new continent, individual scientists will ultimately have to judge it for themselves. A team of geolo- geologists uh, pitch the scientific case for the new continent in the March-April issue of GSA uh, Today, which I think is Geological Science of America. Uh, it's a journal uh, arguing that Zealandia is a continuous expanse of continental crust covering, as we said, 4.9 million square kilometres. That's enormous. It's the size of uh, the Indian subcontinent. Wow. Yeah. I, did, I,
1: did, I don't know. It's not something I've ever... Been aware of before, no. I mean, as you say, there isn't a, a, a body that looks after this. No, doesn't administer People it.
0: People in charge of continents. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine that they say, they say, you know, what, what's your job? You wouldn't have to do very much, would you? <laughs> no, no, very. Rare. For your job, identifying new continents.
1: <laughs> 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 but is it possible that there are other continents hiding under the under the sea that we didn't know about? Or is this the last one we're going to find?
0: Well, I. I actually can't speak with any knowledge about this at all. Not but I have th- been
1: diving I, recently. No,
0: I haven't. I, I suspect it's unlikely.
1: Yeah.
0: But um, uh, if, if you if you look at the story, uh, it's it's about a third of the size of uh, Australia, something like okay. that—a third or two-fifths the size of Australia. Uh, so it, it is vast, and uh, the islands at the north and south islands of New Zealand are just a very small uh, part of that. Um, if we could plug. If we could pull the plug on the world's oceans, according to the story, it would be quite clear that Zealandia stands out... About 3,000 metres above the surrounding ocean crust, says the study co-author Nick Mortimer, a geologist at at GNS Science in Dunedin, New Zealand. If it wasn't for the ocean level long ago, we'd recognise Zealandia for what it was, a continent. So there you are. It's
1: just just phenomenal, isn't it? I, I, I think... It's just probably worth remembering that we've got Blue Planet 2 coming again later this year. Is so much to know about Earth right here in the oceans that we just don't know. You're listening to Love and Science on BCFM Radio. Uh, we are going to
0: look at some more news, uh, science in the news stories. And um, there's, a, there's a thing uh, called the Cambridge Science Festival. It runs from March the 13th uh, to March the 26th, so uh, two weeks, coming up uh, pretty soon now in about two weeks' time. And uh, Claudia uh, Washer, uh, who's a lecturer in animal and environmental biology at uh, Anglia Ruskin University, uh, is uh, giving a talk, and her talk is called "Unfairness Ruffles Crows." Now, unfortunately, we, we don't have Claudia uh, with us as a guest on the uh, in the studio or on the phone. That might you might have thought oh, that's where I'm going, but but there is a really uh, lovely article uh, picked up by the Independent, uh, which is all about uh, how uh, some articles know when they're being uh, articles, some animals. I don't think articles know anything, do they? But, but animals know when they're being treated unfairly. Apparently, um, anim- some animals have quite a, a highly developed sense of fairness. And it might... Uh, surprise you this. So human beings, we, we're used to uh, the idea that human beings have a sense of uh, cooperation and uh, uh, some people argue that we can be altruistic we, we're, we're kind and we're nice to other people uh, because we know that that uh, oils the social wheels and we get some benefits out of it. That's, that's uh, one of the arguments that's made about why human beings do things that aren't immediately in their own interest. Um, but uh, the, uh, scientists have been testing animals uh, to, to see whether or not they also have uh, a, a sense of fairness and fair play and, uh, you know, ideas of, um, uh, well, I suppose we're bordering on ideas of what's decent behaviour. Uh, and so one of the first species that they tested uh, for inequality Aversion, in other words, if you treat me unfairly, I know it and I don't like it, were uh, brown capuchin monkeys. And um, the monkeys were given a task where they had to exchange a token for a treat. One individual was given a piece of cucumber, exchanged for a token, whereas another individual monkey uh, was given a grape for doing the same thing. So you do this, I give you, give uh, monkey A a piece of cucumber. Uh, um, I For doing the same thing, I give Monkey B uh, a grape. Now, it turns out the Capuchin monkeys absolutely love grapes, but they don't like cucumber very much. I'm
1: with them on that. Yeah.
0: I've always wondered, what is the point of a cucumber?
1: There's literally no point. I'd be
0: very... If somebody bought me a cucumber for my birthday, I would I'd just be in a rage for weeks.
1: I, I'm with you, Malcolm. Did you, <laughs> did you know there's actually, there's actually a gene that we have... You and I, I think. Yeah. Which means that we taste cucumber differently to everyone else. So when people ah. say to you, you're being fussy because you don't like cucumber, you're not. You're tasting it differently to them.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I used to have a cat who was uh, imaginatively known as Alley Cat. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because we found him in an alley. And, and um, he used to raid the fridge and get it. What would he steal? Sausages? No. Pork chops? No. Cucumber. What? He would steal the cucumber and he would run off with it and he would eat it. He absolutely loved cucumber. If he knew there was one in there, he hung around the fridge until uh, he he could get it, get it. Oh, very Do, very strange. Can
1: I just because since we're a science show, yeah, I'm going to say the word. Yeah, that, and there's this thing in cucumber which is called f- phenyl, I'm going to try and read it. Yeah. F- phenol, phenol theocarbamide. Well, that's very impressive. Thanks very much. And what, what that is, it has a very peculiar property, which means it either has, is virtually tasteless or incredibly bitter. And Ooh. so, to me, cucumber tastes incredibly bitter. To other people, it's a lovely fresh taste that's very... very
0: well, right there you go. Or you can put it on your eyes.
1: I don't do that either. It smells atrocious, this (laughs) stuff. If it's in a... let's get back to the monkeys.
0: (laughs) Let's get back... There's a story... Well, actually, no, thank you, because that that counts as science information. Okay. very very useful, that. Um... But uh, the capuchin monkeys uh, protested when the ones that were given uh, cucumber uh, protested, and they refused to take part in the experiment. I'm
1: with you, uh, Monkey Brothers. Yeah, with you.
0: yeah, because they they felt that uh, they weren't being treated fairly. So the next question is: Well, all right. We understand monkeys are quite close to us in, in many, many ways, in the ways that they react and respond, and the ways that they live. We can see that. Are there any other kinds of animals? And guess what? Our friend the corvid, birds like crows, oh, wow. jays, uh, ravens, magpies, um, who we know are very... Uh, intelligent birds, um, they also uh, exhibit exactly the same kind of thing. So in their case, um, the, the, some ravens, there were common ravens and six carrion crows, two com- uh, four common ravens and six carrion crows, so ten birds in all, uh, were given a similar test where they had to perform um, a uh, particular task. Um, some of the birds received cheese, which they like, and they love cheese. They think cheese is just fantastic. And um, some animals receive some of the birds received grapes as a prize. And um, when uh, the, the uh, birds saw that the other anim- other birds were getting cheese and not grapes, because in their case they don't they don't like grapes, um, they stopped cooperating and they started sulking. Oh,
1: right, okay, yeah, that's amazing. It is. It is really. There's a there's a um, a, one of these birds, crow. I don't know which one it is. It's quite high yeah. So there's, yeah. a, there's a very tall tree in uh, in my back garden, and at, very frequently one of those birds, a, a, a raven or a crow, um, sits on top of the tree and calls out, and it's it's doing something. I don't know what it is, but it just. It seems to me to be so much more intelligent than some of the other birds that we get in the garden, and
0: some of the people walking around. Wait, I don't tree. want to be. I was,
1: was going to say the birds, <laughs> no. uh, but yes, <laughs> no. so, so, certainly some of the people living in the house, we for example, geez. me. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's it just they 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 exude an in intelligence, and, and I'm glad to know that science is proving that it's there.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, um, let's let's move away from uh, birds, back to people again. And there's another story. This was carried by the the Huffington Post. And it has to do with uh, one of the longest-running studies on human uh, personalities. Uh, And uh, the headline for this story is that your personality completely transforms as you age. Ah. Um, And it turns out... Um, that uh, physical appearance and fashion choices aside, you might think you'll be essentially the same person in old age as you were in adolescence, but it turns out that you're not. Uh, The longest-running study ever conducted has had an impact on our understanding of how uh, personalities change. You'd think, wouldn't you, that when you're old... Uh, really it's just you're just a sort of more matured version of what you were uh, in terms of personality when you were seven or eight years old, but not so. Um, Psychologists at the University of Edinburgh in the UK, uh, uh, investigated, I don't know why I have to say in the UK, we know that, this is because it's an American story, Um, (laughs) investigated how character traits shift as people get older by following a cohort of Scottish adults from adolescence to old age. The findings, published in the Journal of Psychology and Aging, significantly challenge the idea of personality as a relative constant throughout life. Um, They looked at uh, data from a study conducted in 1950 in which a group of teachers filled out personality assessments on more than 1,200 14-year-old students. They measured basic personality traits, things like self-confidence, conscientiousness, perseverance, desire to excel, originality, stability of moods, probably things that teachers would be interested in. Um, And then in 2012, so this is 1950 to 2012, the researchers tracked down students from the 1950s study they were able to locate 635 and 174 of them said they'd take the personality test again so much smaller number of people taking Mm. part but 174 people is quite significant and they found out that their personalities were different
1: it's 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 so far from what I'm experiencing in life, everyone seems to be exactly the same as they always have been in my life. Have you, uh, Malcolm? You're well, the thing not, you're, was, you're, you're probably
0: m- quite a nice child, you see, right? And now, already, <laughs> look what's happened to you. That's just rude.
1: Now, um, I was going to be kind to you. Uh, oh, sorry, I still will actually. Uh, okay, um, so you're nowhere near um old age. No, that's true. Um, very, very true. <laughs> I
0: that could not be a truer statement <laughs> that you're making there.
1: And uh, have, do you think you've changed personality? Well, really? I'm
0: frightened of the world now, and I won't go out. OK. Uh, right. But apart from that... <laughs> How
1: did you get here?
0: <laughs> I was carried here. Um, uh, yes, do I think... I do think I've changed quite a lot, actually. Really? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't want to probe too much, but what, what, it, what personality traits do you think you've you've changed over the years? Mm.
0: Ah, now, you've really, you've really uh, nailed me down there because, um, uh, well, first of all, it's very hard to identify your own uh, personality yeah. traits, isn't it? Yeah, you know, if, some, if someone says, "Describe yourself," and then you and then you turn to other people and say, "Well, you describe me." I suspect for most of us it would be different. We tend to... uh overemphasize certain things in our own minds and underemphasize other things. So people can see both good things yeah, sure. um, if, we, if you want to put values on them, which is, of course, that's not the point of this study, but if you did, things that you think, oh yes, I'm, I'm very outgoing, and other people might think, well no, you're not actually, you're really quite shy. Mm. So uh, for that reason, it's very, very hard to, yeah, you, to You're avoiding the question, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I think I, uh, uh, a lot of people will laugh hysterically at this, I know, but I think uh, people who know me Uh, I think I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. Okay. Um, I used to be a much more anxious person than I am now. Whether that's a personality trait or whether I've just learned that things aren't really so bad or Mm. that there's not a lot you can do about them if they are. Yeah. I don't know.
1: That's that's the interesting thing here because it's, to me anyway, is that people can change. People do change. But this, I I mean, what this doesn't tell us is why they've changed. You know, if... I, what I'm particularly thinking about is, um, you know, something like political act- activism. D- can people be changed in the, sufficiently in their personality traits to change the way they think about the world? C- could you take somebody who was, you know, um, discriminatory against people of, of a different um, belief system to them right somebody who's intolerant for example yeah could could you change their 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 way their personality sufficiently is there a way of doing that and i've i've always felt that people don't change you know Mm. leopard doesn't change their spots all Mm. that stuff but this is suggesting that people do change and that gives me some hope because i'd like some people to change is what i'm (laughs) saying absolutely
0: um well, certainly, there's, there's there's evidence for that. I, I would like to have a conversation. It would be nice to do, do it on this show uh, with uh, psychologists and talk about them. What uh, talk to them about what they actually mean by personality traits and what we perhaps could call more social. Traits. Okay. So, for example, uh, a person might be intolerant of others because they haven't learned another way to behave.
1: Okay, yeah. Yep. Do
0: you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But their basic personality remains unchanged, but they can actually learn uh, a, a different way of behaving. Mm. Um, which doesn't mean their personality has changed as such, but just their, so, their some of their social traits. I, I, I don't know whether a psychologist would make that distinction. Okay.
1: This this sounds like a conversation we need to have with someone who knows. We Let's should. That.
0: We should and get them on the show. Okay. Uh, look, time is, is, is racing on, so uh, rather than go to some more music, and boy, do we have loads of music lined up. <laughs> we do, actually, oh. uh, but um, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to squeeze some more science in. And this is a a, a little story that uh, was in the uh, New Scientist. And it's called, they headlined it Bees Learn to Play Golf and Show Off How Clever They Really Are. (laughs) Um, And this is I don't know what's happening to the New Scientist. Um, (laughs) Some nice tabloid headlines there. Um, But um, bumblebees, this is the story, bumblebees have learned to push a ball into a hole to get a reward board and uh, they are stretching what was thought possible for small-brained creatures. Plenty of previous studies have shown that bees are no bumbling fools, but they've generally involved activities that are somewhat similar to their natural foraging behaviour. For example, bees were, a- bees were able to learn to pull a string to reach an artificial flower containing sugar solution. Uh, bees sometimes have to pull parts of flowers to access nectar, so it isn't to alien for them Uh, and uh, the uh, researcher Oli um, Lucola at Queen Mary University in London uh, said that um, although these tasks seem very complex, they don't really show a deep level of uh, learning. So What she did and her colleagues, they built a circular platform with a small hole in the centre filled with sugar into which the bees had to move a ball to get a reward. Uh, And a researcher showed them how to do it by using a plastic bee on a stick to push (laughs) the ball. And the researchers then took three groups of other bees and they trained them in different ways. One group observed a previously trained bee uh, solving the task. Another was shown the ball, there's another group of bees, was shown the ball moving into the hole, pulled by a hidden magnet. Third group was given to demonstration but was shown the ball already in the hole containing the reward. And then the bees did the task themselves and those that had watched other bees do it were most successful. They took this is a weird idea imagine bees watching other bees doing things yeah, yeah. you know we used to. Perhaps birds doing that, but, you know, you think an insect or or, or a bee, let's say, uh, doing that is absolutely extraordinary. When the bees were trained with three balls placed at different distances from the hole, the two closest ones glued down most of the successful bees, still did the task and moved the ball that was closest to the hole. So, basically, they learned to copy.
1: I I really want to redo that experiment, but put a little stick next to the bees and then see whether they think that they need to be on a stick, so they all pick up. Up the stick before they move the ball.
0: Well, I, yes, I would love to see that. Well, look, it's been Science. great to uh, have your company. Uh, it's the end of the show now, but we'll be back again uh, next Monday with another edition of Love and Science. And uh, Have yourselves a very
1: good evening.